Paolo, I, uh, you were at Wembley yesterday, weren't you? I was, yeah. And it was absolutely, spectacularly awesome to be there uh, to watch Man United win the FA Cup. Something we haven't done for such a long time. And, of course, it's not the level of trophy that the club should be competing for. But, nonetheless, good to win the grand old dame of cup competitions. Well, exactly. I mean, who, who wants this newfangled Euro League Premier League nonsense when you can win the authentic trophy. That's what we're after. This is exactly correct. Sponsored by the Emirates. <laughs> yeah, but Arsenal didn't win it though, even though it's the Emirates Cup. Huh? Exactly. They've broken yeah. their hegemony. And back back level on most FA Cups won, which is which is cool. Yes. But we're not really becoming Arsenal because if it was really becoming Arsenal, uh, we'd have finished fourth. And we actually finished fifth. Yes. Although, in kind of more positive not becoming Arsenal news, we're not having an open-top bus parade for winning the FA Cup, which they did twice. I think that's good, yes. Look, I mean, you could tell at Wembley uh, just how much it meant to United fans. United fans have um, not been sated by trophies. They weren't when we won several trophies every year. They're certainly not going to be where it's, when it's been uh, two seasons without anything. So uh, this means a lot. Y- yeah, although you could... I mean, the, the fans situation was very strange at Wembley the Palace fans it's not in the least bit controversial to say outsung the United fans almost throughout the atmosphere in the United end was really flat except for two periods one when Rashford was down injured there was a huge kind of burst of noise briefly um, when the whole United end was singing 20 times and then in the last 10 minutes and, and for the celebrations. Uh, but there was a strange, flat, nervous energy in the United fans and it was a very marked contrast to the atmosphere in the semi-final, which was so buzzing and like one big giant away end. But, you know, the Palace end, they were all like jumping in coordination and, you know, it looked like a lot of fun in that end. But Ultimately, of course, much more fun in our end because we won. Quite, yeah. Let's talk about the game, shall we? Because it took a while to get going. The first 45 minutes felt like a very Manchester United game, didn't it? United had something like 70-something percent possession. Created a few chances in the first half, but not a lot. Um, and Palace happy to sit back and try and catch United on the break. Uh, it took a long time for this game to really get into gear. Uh, yeah, I was sitting really, I was in row seven, about level with the D at the penalty area that United was shooting into. So I just had no sense whatsoever of how good the chances were that United were carving out at the far end. Um, but having watched them back, they did look to be some fantastic moments from Marcus Rashford uh, and absolutely stunning the the run and step overs that then led to him creating the chance for Martial which he had a top quality first half um, obviously his game ended a bit prematurely because uh, he got a, a stamp on the knee from Kabai accidental stamp um, but yeah he was superb United's best play, player definitely in the first half uh, just some lovely touches, uh, spins and turns, movement. Such an intelligent player. I mean, I, I know we've talked about it a few times, but you'd be mental not to take him if you were Roy Hodgson. Uh, just thinking about the balance of his forwards, and he can play anywhere in that front three if, if Hodgson decides to play a three. He might play a diamond. Um, he's got a good chance, but anyway. You, you're, you've you become totally obsessed with talking about England, Ed. Well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every That's time right. Marcus Rashford comes up, you're like, yeah, get him in the England squad. England, England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fully voting Brexit. And <laughs> No, I'm not. Um, 
it, look, no, I I don't mean to be obsessed about England. I just think it's recognition. You know, this uh, this guy is very high quality, and uh, he showed it again in the uh, the first half. Yeah, in fact, uh, Hodgson saying after the game, I think that Rashford's um, performance in the FA Cup final pretty clearly demonstrated that it wasn't exactly stupid for him to get an England call up, and I think that's a very fair point to make. Um, well, exactly because um, look, um, it is a different occasion to the Premier League, and I know he plays in front of a lot of fans at Old Trafford. But but that kind of big occasion, full focus of the media and country on it tells you something about his temperament, doesn't it? Mm, it certainly does. And the the performance level and the, the the range of ability that he shows in that game. And I think this is this is where we will come on to a lot of Jose talk. But I, I maybe I'll live to regret these words, but I do not think there is any question of Mourinho doing anything other than building his attack around Rashford in the beginning part of next season, uh, unless there's some injury or something. I think if he if he has the availability to, and the option to do so, no manager in their right mind would not be impressed by what he's offered so far. Yes, and so you've just uh, ensured that a 37-year-old Didier Drogba will be joining United on a free next season. <laughs> Yeah, clearly. Um, so the first half relatively quiet. That some some you know, good chances, maybe more than you would expect if it was truly a typical Lou Van Gaal performance. Uh, but the game kind of sparked into a bit of life in the second half, and there were a, a, a good number of chances. There was the fantastic piece of skill for Rashford, which uh, set Fellaini up for that shot that he uh, smashed on at the bar, um, and then. Not long after that, there was a double substitution and and I turned to Simon, friend of the rank cast, Simon Stevens, that I was sat with and um, said, I thought that might be a massive turning point in the game when Palace brought on Jason Punchin at the point at which Van Gaal reacted to Rashford's injury by bringing Ashley Young on to play at centre yep, forward. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Metaphorical and actual groan. Uh, heard around the country then uh, at that point, yeah. I mean, it, and it was it was a pivotal moment for Palace because it, it really added something dynamic to their attack, didn't it? I mean, you know, clearly because the guy scored. Um, and it, some criticism of David De Gea heard uh, for this one. I, I'm not sure I would really level any criticism. I know it's beating him at the near post and, uh, the, you know, the... The law of common sense says that a goalkeeper shouldn't be beaten at the near post, but um, it's a, it's an excellent ball to the back post. Marcus Rojo is, is two yards deeper than the rest of his defenders, played everyone on side, punches control and hit it very, very early. Um, and it's beaten De Gea for pace rather than positioning. Are you 100% sure it was Rojo and not Anthony Martial that was played everyone on side? Well, Rojo definitely played them all on side. Well, oh, I don't okay. know whether Man- right, Martial right. was there too. I don't think so. Ro- Rojo was definitely the deepest man. Right, right, okay. Yeah, it was a great ball and it was just such a kind of sucker punch moment. And it was kind of strange that Pardew didn't pick Punchin from the off, I thought. He went with a three-man midfield... And and I, I think actually having Punchin, you he obviously kind of wanted to focus the counter-attacking through Zahar and um, Balassi, but Punchin is really important in the counter-attack and actually has a better key pass per 90 than uh, for this season than either of those two. Uh, I thought it was a bit of an oversight, really. But anyway... Ke- yeah, I don't think it was just about punching though. I think it was also wanting, wanting Jedinak in the game yeah. to to counter Marin yeah, for Lane. Absolutely, yeah, that that makes that definitely makes good sense. But then he came on, made a big difference, and and you know my heart sank at that point because this United side has not often shown 
superb fighting spirit. That hasn't really been something you would necessarily call a defining characteristic of theirs, but they really showed it in spades. I think that it was so important that the equaliser came quickly, not just because there was only 20 minutes left to go, but it it completely shifted the dynamic of the game, didn't it? Because all that elation for Palace, they must have felt so... Pardew's very ridiculous dancing... Save that for when you've won it, sunshine. Uh, did you see? Have you seen the little clip of Matter asking Schneiderlin if he saw the Pardew dance? I haven't actually. Did he? Uh, it's really good because he he's kind of talking to Schneiderlin and pointing sort of towards Pardew, and then Matter does the little dance himself. <laughs> nice, yeah, uh, really ridiculous uh, when you're uh, only one up. You know, he just said he was enjoying the moment and he apologised, but he looked like a a drunk un- uncle at a wedding, didn't he? Um, so uh, yeah, you, I mean, you're right. It's important that United got back into it straight away, and they did show some fight although I mean I have to say for a lot of the second half and extra time uh, they didn't half resort to the lowest common denominator which was trying to cross field past a man Fellaini so it wasn't always pretty but um, but you know the captain did it for United didn't he? he rolled back the years to beat three Palace players and then uh, find a beautiful ball to the back post Fellaini controlled or miscontrolled I wasn't quite sure whether he was actually trying to find matter and matter with the first time finish I mean whether or not, whatever Fellaini was trying to do, is he's the only player in the world that could have provided that assist. Like, yeah. there is literally no other footballer that could do that with his chest. Like, if we give him credit for knowing Mata was there, it's one of the greatest things a footballer has ever done on a football pitch. Like, watching it in slow motion as he redirects the ball perfectly into Mata's path taking all the sting out of it just to set it up beautifully and um palace player got a block on it as they kind of felt like they'd blocked everything but finally one one blasted through the legs of a palace player and it's superb moment for Mata. Superb moment for Mata and for Rooney, who I have to say look I thought he was very poor in the first half and he gave away a lot of balls and uh, was um you know I, I think he proved that um you know Rooney in that first half he showed that Rooney the midfielder is a bit of a myth because just playing a crossfield ball is not what a midfielder does he grew into the game though he was very very good in the second half and excellent through extra time as well so you know much credit for that but that moment will um will his best moment of the season by some distance yeah it was really really special um it just felt electric inside Wembley when that was happening because it was like this thing that you couldn't quite believe what you were seeing. And and it kept looking like it had gone wrong. Like he, he created that bit of space for himself on the edge of the area, but that was closed down and he had to take the ball wide. And you kind of think at that point, you know, do we really back Rooney to pull off something super special here? But he did it. <coughs> um, and it, it was just, it was, it was brilliant. And it was a bona fide, authentic captain's performance from Wayne Rooney and so special for him because obviously like that completes the set for him and Carrick uh, who was also good in the second half I thought um but yeah the that that happens and we we take it to extra time uh, but not before Jose takes off one matter for Jesse Lingard and I don't know about you but I was tearing my hair out when he did that yes it was of course Louis van Gaal you've uh, you've uh... Gone with the Jose. Did you I, just called him did Jose. Did I just say Jose? Oh my goodness. See, your loyalty's already gone. Already. I mean, the man is barely cold in his grave. 
<laughs> Sorry, Louis. It was Louis's bizarre substitution. Uh, although, of course, it worked out well in the end. But it seemed very weird. Yeah, not not just bizarre because Mata was actually having a decent game and growing into the game and, and would have been a, a real goal threat for United. But that it was with like 15 seconds to go in the match. Really odd, just really odd timing. You know, then again, uh, Jesse Lingard, you know, pops up to prove us all wrong, doesn't he? We, we spent much time last week talking about uh, Lingard's output, which is very low. Uh, and then he goes and smashes uh, one into the top corner of the, of the net in a cup final to win United Cup. Boyhood dream stuff, that is. But I've got both my fists clenched and punched in the air as we speak. Uh, that was just... I mean, so before that happens, Chris Smalling gets himself sent off in, you know, after you you completely flipped out when he got sent off against City, Ed. And this was up there with that. Inside Palace's own half, at least three United players in the United half. I, I can understand Smalling's thinking when he's thinking, oh, no, I'm leaving Daily Blint in a foot race. I can't do that. That's not going to end well. But to just kind of rugby tackle his man when he was on a booking. I mean, a complete failure of brain processing. Well, it was, yeah. I'm not sure I flipped quite as much as uh, I did against City. I mean, the City one was just dumb on a stratospheric level. This one, at least he's thinking he's got to do something, right? Now, he's made a poor mistake and a poor decision because United have got enough players back. Um, but he's thinking that Palace are, are breaking and he's taking one for the team, I think, isn't he? You know, I mean, clearly in that moment, that's what he's trying to do. Uh, a, a poor decision, but um, some rationale behind it. I, I couldn't say that again about the red card against City. But look, um, he improved so much after that red card against City. If he uh, if he improves again um, with a similar kind of percentage improvement, then uh, he'll he'll be a world-class defender. Yeah, absolutely. The only other possibility is that actually it was like serious next-level thinking because he was like, right, for some reason Van Gaal seems to insist on playing Young up front and Martial on the left. But if I get sent off, he's going to have to put um, Damian in the middle uh, and play Ashley Young at left-back. And then, uh, then he'll have to put Martial central and that might work. Yeah, I don't think he was thinking that hard. Nor do I. But um, it actually may have that that kind of somewhat tactically benefited United in the end because uh, it was Martial's presence in the box which allowed the the allowed something to happen other than an easy clearance for Palace defenders uh, for Lingard to do what he did, which can only be described as a madness. I mean, it's one of those where I, I've seen it ten times or something now, maybe more than that even, and it. You just keep looking at it, expecting him to sky it because it's such a difficult chance. It requires absolute perfection of contact for that ball not to fly over the net. He's a, he is slightly leaning backwards even. You know, it's not like he's leaning over the ball to keep it down. He he's just extends his leg out of pure instinct. He's got no time to think about it. It's coming at him incredibly quickly and he just it hits exactly the right part of his boot to fly into the top corner. Sweet, wasn't it? Um, if he does nothing else in his career, and he, he might not do much else, we'll, we'll see with the new manager. Um, that's uh, that's going to be a, a, a major highlight. I mean, yeah. And and just, you know, you think of the pics of him as a little kid in the United shirt, and it, it really is. Like the FA Cup, such a soppy and romantic tournament, to have a soppy and romantic end to the FA Cup final. And then 
Rooney, talk about a captain's performance. Like, how massive a classy move is it for Rooney to share the cup lift with Michael Carrick? Who clearly is leaving. Absolutely. Which I I have to say, I mean, let's let's leave it for a bit. I think it's slightly an odd decision. But yeah, no, a a lovely decision to to let Michael um, share that uh, great moment for the fans uh, inside the ground. Obviously, a lot of Palace fans had gone and all the corporates had because why would they want to watch football or a trophy lift when they could get some uh, champagne in the uh, in the bar or whatever it is they're doing? Drives me mental, that does. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, but, they, but seeing... Like, that might be the... Someone was pointing out on Twitter that might be Rooney's only trophy lift as captain ever. There's a reasonable chance of that. And and he shared it with Carrick because it was obviously such a special moment for the two of them. Been at United for such a long time, won everything else, right? League, League Cup, Champions League, World Club Cup. Now now to get the FA Cup to complete the set. And, mm. and it brought to mind the Graham Hunter interview with Darren Fletcher where he was talking about the the importance of a league cup win to him because it was the last one that he won and how desperate, desperate he was to be involved in the league cup final, which everyone would perceive to be such a kind of minor tournament, but he was just desperate to have the whole set. Yes. Rooney has got another four years on his contract or something though. So uh, he, he may well be at United for a bit longer. Uh, we'll, we'll see how much time he gets. Um, what did you, what do you think about the selection? Uh, not only of the first 11, uh, but the fact that Memphis and particularly Cameron Bothick, Jackson were left out of the squad altogether. Well, I think I felt much more positively about the first 11 than you did. Um, just because I, I think it was essentially the midfield that that won the semi-final. And I was just fully expecting that to be the midfield. It, it made it made complete sense, really, um, up against the opposition that they were up against. Within the parameters of never going to drop Rooney, Carrick's been outstanding I'm not outstanding but but by head and shoulders our best midfielder in the past couple of months um and Fellaini I I think it's worth having Fellaini in there for his sheer bothersomeness given how given he's playing in a kind of advanced midfield role in a 4-3-3 um but that's all he's in the team for right yeah bothersomeness for heading yeah he also this is Manchester United no no but it's not though what world's biggest club by no, revenue? No, but I'm not. We're not talking about the theoretical. I, I, I would sell Maron Fellaini this summer without question. I would also have picked him for this game because that's you know, especially when you've got Rashford and Martial up front. So having Fellaini in there, they've defenders have such a lot to think about. I'm not saying this is a viable long-term strategy. I'm saying it's a perfectly reasonable selection for this one-off game. And Cameron Bothwick Jackson. Uh, that one made me sad, really. I, I was confused by that decision. Um, I, I, you know, Rojo has not been in good form, and Borthwick Jackson was played very well when he came back into the side. So this this is United's biggest game of the season. You know, one for a trophy, and Louis Van Gaal played Rashford, and that's it of the younger players. Jesse Lingard obviously came on, but was on the bench. Uh, it kind of blows apart the myth, doesn't it? Of uh, and Hull's so-called faith in youth. Um, I don't know whether you've seen the manunited.com website now. It says 12-time FA Cup winners. Uh, and then they've got a new slogan, Youth, Courage and Success. Um, and it doesn't half make me feel, and this may be my 
deeply cynical viewpoint that um, this thing about youth is a, is you know something of a myth that's being marketed. Um, and uh, especially, you know, during Van Hal's time, because there's not much else successful during this time, um, and being captured upon by the club as a narrative when it's not really true. I wonder whether they're just pushing the branding to reassure people who are worried that Jose's going to come along and sack everyone under the age of 25. Well, he might do. Um, he ain't going to, though, is he? Um, but, yeah, the uh, the thing is, it's not black and white because... Okay, we can say that he dropped uh, Borthwick Jackson and he didn't play Fosimensa, although I think the semi-final sort of maybe kind of justifies that. And Valencia, my my opinion is that Valencia's been in good form since he came back from injury. Uh, so that one didn't offend me particularly. I, I do think it, it was an odd decision to leave Borthwick Jackson out, but, you know, and there's obviously something about him that Van Gaal doesn't trust. and But but he did play Rashford. It wasn't like he dropped Rashford to play Rooney up front. There, there's some nuance here. And, you know, that it should be considered. And he did bring Lingard on to try and make a difference. Although Lingard isn't really in the proper youth-youth category, is he? He's, is he 23? Yeah, so, yep, you know, yep, that's... Yep. It's just his first season at United, his first proper season in the first team, isn't it? So, so and any more thoughts or comments about the FA Cup yeah. uh, before we segue into uh, into a, an inevitable discussion about Jose and Van Hal? Yeah, just a couple of little stories from the ground, really, that I thought were funny or interesting. Uh, as I said, the atmosphere was, was very flat. You probably hear it, the fact that um, if you compare what this sounds like to what the state I was in after the semi-final you can kind of hear that the crowd was uh, quieter there were people like really trying to get the singing going really angry at how flat it was around them and I was kind of trying to join in and stuff but it would just every time it would pick up it would die again so quickly um there was a one point where Giggs uh, I think it was yeah it must have been just after Palace had scored and Giggs turned to the United end and kind of gave it a bit of a you know waving his arms upwards going come on we need you a bit of volume and some some guy a few rows across from me just really angrily flicking the V's at Ryan Giggs <laughs> it's, it's Ryan Giggs man you know anyway uh that one that one tickled me um it was a fantastic day met loads of rankcast listeners uh thank you to everyone who came and said hello that was that was super cool and uh yeah it was it was just it was so emotional seeing the players walk around the pitch and you say Carrick's off um he he looked like he looked like he was just in heaven uh, I think he's obviously absolutely delighted to be leaving on a high, especially since he had that chance with that header um, and could have won it. And it looked like maybe it was it was going to slip away. And I think he would that would have haunted him if he uh, if we hadn't won the game. Especially as he's going to have to be captain of Newcastle under Rafael Benitez next season <laughs> in the Championship. I don't know. I'm making that up. That'd be so good. Good narrative though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be perfect. Uh, what do you think of the decision to to for him to be off? For me, he's still United's best player, uh, best best player, best midfielder, <laughs> okay, um, okay. which might not be saying, yeah, best best player, um, best midfielder, uh, and which is you know says a lot about the uh, the rest of the group, you know. And, and look, I know he, he's got a lot of criticism this season, especially because his form hasn't been great. Um, but when it comes to the big games and uh, the importance of retaining the possession and retaining it in a very sensible way, you know, like not playing the five yard sideways pass, which 
he actually doesn't, despite the myth. Um, but recycling the ball quickly, he's, he's still the best guy there, you know. And if they're not going to offer him another contract, and I'd say uh, a year's contract and 20 games next season would make a lot of sense. If they're not going to do that, I hope that they take a good look at what the uh, the quality is in midfield uh, and probably refresh it in the summer. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think it's some it's a it's a position that I've slightly flip-flopped on because about 3 months ago I was just adamant that it would have been ridiculous to offer Carrick another contract and it's this thing about when you try and we're going to just talk about awards in a bit and it's always really difficult to assess the season as a whole because the last third of the season or even quarter of the season is so much more prevalent in your mind when it comes to looking back and analysing it. And I think that Carrick had a very shaky first two thirds of the season. I can't remember him having, I can't remember us singling him out as having had a good game for really much of any of that, but he's been really good in some really important games at the back end of the season. And we probably wouldn't have won a trophy without him. Uh, But I think either way, whether he's offered another contract or not, it would be really, really, really bad if he was our best midfielder next season. For sure, yeah. And look, there's some nuance to this, right? Because uh, Fellaini's terrible in midfield. Uh, Herrera's had a very poor season for him. Um, Schneiderlin's had a mixed season, in and out, not really effective um, against really top opposition. Uh, Who else is there? That's about it, right? Central midfield. Shrines, you've literally forgotten one of the best central midfielders of all time. Um, Bastian Schweinsteiger, ring any bells? German fella, won the World Cup. Yeah, but he's, he's played about three games. But <laughs> Yeah, he's played he's played nearly as many minutes as Herrera this season. A surprise, this is again the, the uh, late season bias. He actually played quite a lot early in the season, Schweinsteiger did. But his level of form varied almost as much as Rooney's does from like his best level versus his low his best games and his worst games are a long long way apart yeah they are Memphis has played more minutes than uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger um so um yeah I mean you know I'm a little surprised but maybe it means that uh, United are are going to bring in a uh, another midfielder I mean there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks over all of them you know Fellaini Schweinsteiger Herrera um, Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin will definitely be at the club next season. The rest of them, it's not clear. I, yeah, my, I mean, of course, my secret dream hope is that um, Jose comes in and makes Herrera the player that I think he could be. It seems a fairly natural fit for a Jose Mourinho side. He's can combine tactical discipline. He's very, he's very kind of fiery and just up for stuff. And and he played so well under Bielsa, who's a kind of insane man manager type. Um, which I feel like that there's some correlation between that and playing playing well in the Jose Mourinho team. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, seems like we're talking about Jose. Uh, Manchester United manager Jose Mourinho. Is that what Manchester we're saying? United, well, it seems to be. Yeah. I would say it was within half an hour of United lifting the FA Cup uh, that the story started to break, and they didn't break on one website. Um, somewhere in Italy, it, this was the Telegraph and the BBC and Sky Sports and yada yada yada. All of them, all at the same time. Uh, someone had been very busy phoning around. Yeah, it was mad, wasn't it? Uh, you say within half an hour of lifting the trophy. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I think the story broke on BBC Sports Twitter when they were walking down the stairs with the trophy back onto the pitch. I'm pretty sure that's that was the timing of it. It was almost immediate, and. I mean, 
I don't know. It's obviously convenient for the club and people associated with the club to assume it was a, a Mendes side leak. Um, but Ed Woodward was uh, in a stadium full of journalists and senior figures and all that kind of stuff. And he's not a man. I mean, Moyes was told by the press, wasn't he? So um, I wonder whether Louis van Gaal had any idea. If he, if he, if van Gaal did know. He did a very good impression in his post-match press conference of somebody who didn't know. He did, although he brought the cup with him and it felt like a statement, didn't it? Yeah, well, a little bit, yeah. Uh, He uh, thanked the press for their congratulations, somewhat um, tongue-in-cheek, I would say. Uh, He talked about uh, United being excellent in the first half. Just one final (laughs) piece of absolute nonsense. Just when you were feeling a little bit sorry for Louis. No, no, it's all right. Any more BBC stories breaking about how you're about to be sacked? Um, Yeah, I mean, ultimately, he's he's been sacked because uh, United's season is a failure. You know, FA Cup is is great, but uh, really what United, uh, you know, the benchmark for United is, is making a title challenge at a minimum and... Uh, at least getting into the knockout stages of European football. I mean, you, the, the club will have the number one revenue uh, in world football next year, and um, and for a club of this size earning this much money, it'll be you know without Champions League football, it'll be nor still north of 150 million a bit there. So cash profit, um, uh, it's a money making machine, and and it's finished outside the top four. Um, and gone nowhere in Europe and uh, and won an FA Cup having not actually played any of the really top sides. So that's why he's gone. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's, it's such an obvious decision that he has to go because he's 64 and has one year left on his contract. And I, I, I still think... I still think there would be a very good argument for getting rid of him if he was on a five-year contract and was 45. But as we talked about at length a few weeks ago, I think then there would be some grey area. You could say you could take this to a kind of backing the manager extreme of of believing it will come good given enough time. Whether or not that would be the right decision, I don't know. But it would have been crazy to keep Van Gaal and all the talk's been Jose for such a long time and we're we're recording this before it's officially confirmed but it will be a kind of megaton level shock if that doesn't happen although I have to say part of me finds it hard to believe it's really going to happen even though it obviously is yeah um would it really surprise you if manunited.com turned around and announced on Monday at 9am that Lou Van Gaal has signed a new five-year contract (laughs) No, it wouldn't. I mean, yes, I would be shocked to my core, to be honest. Uh, but it would also be not particularly atypical, I suppose. So so what does this mean then? You know, let, let's just make the assumption that Jose is coming. Serial winner, serial faller-outer of everything with everyone. Um, a three-year contract, it seems. Uh, so the club, you know, certainly not uh, thinking long-term. I guess they weren't with Van Hal either. Um, you know, th- th- that's... Okay, when you have the right structure, but United don't have any consistency here. So you've gone Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho. There's just nothing the same about any three of these. Uh, so just make the assumption that it's a another reaction and uh, expediency from United. W- what's he going to bring, and and where do we go from here? Well, it's pretty obvious that he'll. I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious he'll make United better to watch than Van Gaal has. People have said, oh, yes, you know, United fans wanting Van Gaal out and getting Mourinho in because they're 
playing boring football, ha ha ha. But I think his brand of football is much, much less boring than Van Hals has been because there's some dynamism to the way the team attacks. Okay, it's it's definitely safety first when uh, when he perceives the opposition are better than him. But it's safety first with with a healthy dose of counterattacking, which is very enjoyable to watch. Much more enjoyable to watch than the ultra static kind of failed tiki taka of Van Gaal's version of of possession football. Oh yeah, we're definitely not going to see that under Mourinho. And you're right. Look, there've been a couple of seasons: one with Chelsea, one with Real Madrid, where or with Real Madrid they scored well over 100 goals and with Chelsea just under 100 goals. So, um, you know, and they may be the exceptions. Uh, there, There's plenty of evidence of anti-football in Mourinho's history as well. But what we're not going to get is this this kind of very one-paced uh, 70% possession, uh, you know. But, but you know, and, and in some games it'll, games, it'll be completely the opposite, for sure. It, again, I come back to this notion of where is the club going, though? You know, this is another appointment, but within what structure, for what ends? Um, do we have any idea what kind of players they'll buy this summer? Is there a plan, um, or is it just going to be calling up you know, Jorge Mendes again at the, the you know eleventh hour? It's it none of this. You got a world class coach coming in with a fantastic track record, but none of it speaks of of a strategy that is sound at all. I mean. Of course that's true. Of course it is. It's self-evidently true. But the most important appointment in the club is the head coach, right? That is the single most important appointment they can make this summer. They need to address the broader structure of the club, for sure. And this is not a panacea by any means. But it is still, on balance, probably a pretty good decision in and of itself, because the level of opposition in terms of managerial signings is through the roof. Guardiola's gone to City. You you have to meet that with someone who can match him. Klopp's at Liverpool. Conte's going to Chelsea. These are really heavy hitters. And to have a kind of former heavy hitter flailing around trying to catch people with the random a random haymaker that's not going to do the job and and kind of bringing in an unproven middleweight to try and punch above their weight is such a huge risk i mean i think something has to be done about the long term i i don't know what that is because i think the idea that we're going to suddenly stumble upon another sir alex ferguson and have a manager for 20 years is really a massive long shot at this point yeah for sure yeah which which is why the sensible thing right now might be to appoint a director of football and some kind of long-term structure you know and it's it's anathema to united of course it is Uh, but almost every other top club in europe has that structure and it allows you to hire and fire coaches every two to three years um because that's essentially what Josie has been hired for two to three years. But it's also not a panacea to just appoint a director of football. No, it's not. But but it, it goes with the you know the thought out process around signings and scouting uh, and um, and the academy and you know the sorry to use the 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 word here because it's just not associated with Manchester City, but a kind of a holistic approach to how you build the sporting side of the club to go with the kind of world class commercial operation that United has become. A pocket who. Did you uh, did you watch it? Did you watch Wayne Rooney star turn, Ed? Uh, I did not. Oh, no. 
Oh, you're missing an absolute treat. For those of you lucky enough not to have seen this, Manchester United released an advert this week uh, where Wayne Rooney stars with uh, the cast of the X-Men. Rooney is drafted in to work alongside the X-Men to face the threat of Apocalypse, uh, some supervillain. There's some incredible line delivery from Rooney. Incredible. Like, he, he, he meets Charles Xavier and says, Hello, Charles, with the most kind of... that is almost at the level of they say he is a legend but he's clearly worked with an acting coach as he kind of goes through this and his last line it's it's genuinely good he he actually delivers it well it's funny it's a a funny tag on this advert but there's a line in the ad where uh, the supervillain says everything they have built will fall (laughs) it's like the irony of that being in a manchester united branded advert Everything they have built will fall. Well, yes, because he gave Moyes the job. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Ferguson enjoyed the cup final, didn't he? He did. He looked very cheerful indeed. Lovely scenes of him in the tunnel before the game. Yeah, I I wonder now with Jose coming whether we might hear some... um... You know, more uh, soothing words from the Ferguson camp. He's he's lost. Uh, We had a proxy war for some time with... uh, Ferguson's people first briefing against uh, Van Hal when he thought Giggs might get the job, then briefing for Van Hal when uh, he thought Jose might get the job. So he's lost that war. His influence at United is waning um, even more now with with uh, Jose in in position. Um, I wonder whether his people might be uh, speaking up, um, bigging up Mourinho, um, even though. He apparently doesn't like him very much. But I think that would be good anyway, because I, th- I think you can't have a shadowy power broker behind the scenes unless you're going to actually make Alex Ferguson director of football, which I think would probably be a massive mistake anyway. No, no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, the one sound thing that Woodward seems to have done is to to push Ferguson out. Not, not that, you know, it's not an anti-Ferguson jibe in any sense, but it just doesn't make any sense for him to be there and it, and for people to feel like he's got any power. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But just from a kind of emotional standpoint, I was pretty standing pretty near where the BT Sport interview took place and saw him like hugging Rio and Scalzi and that was, that was lovely. Jesse Lingard absolutely made a beeline for the two of them after the game. I looked so happy to see him and uh, they looked very happy for him. So all that was very Man United and very nice. Um, the, the, the Jose thing, I mean, the the entirely logical trajectory is that he does pretty much similar to what he's just done with Chelsea, where he has a transitional season. There'll be some big wins. There'll be some good results against bigger sides, but ultimately a bit too much inconsistency, a few too many weaknesses in the squad. Then the following season, a genuine stab at the title. And then the season after that, uh, just like running around with a can of petrol in Carrington. Um, before chucking a match into place. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, right, if you know that when you're hiring Josie, what you do is you start refreshing the squad pretty quickly at the end of the second season, don't you? Because that's what happens. They're tired of his methods. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, the players push back and, and uh, Josie goes mental. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens this time. Um, the thing is, the situation is slightly different from what it was at Madrid, where you have these extraordinary political machinations. I mean, literally political in the sense that there are people running for elections. Um, and then you have these kind of massive galactic-sized egos in the dressing room, which I don't think you have to the same extent at United. 
At Chelsea, you have Abramovich, who there was a, a piece on, I think it was on the Second Captors podcast, there was a, they talked about uh, Ancelotti's book, which is being serialised at the moment, and Ancelotti's description of um, Abramovich's methods, it just sounds like completely impossible for any manager to have a sane relationship with Abramovich for any length of time. Uh, and then Inter, well, that never fell apart. Inter, he walked away because the Madrid job became available. So I, I'm not saying I think this is likely, but I do think there is a possible alternative to everything erupting into a ball of flames around him. Sure, and, and maybe he's learned from his time at Chelsea. We'll see. I mean, he's he's taken on several personas over his career, hasn't he? You know, from the kind of joking guy at Chelsea first time round to very angry Jose at Real Madrid. Very angry in that third season. Um, to the, the kind of slightly deranged crazed one-eyed coach who we saw at Chelsea this year yeah absolutely um so we've had a question from at cp underscore vorney 2004 we have the special one 2013 the happy one what do you think will be his answer in 2016 because we know he's definitely going to be asked uh, unfortunately we do know he's definitely going to be asked um and it is painful to consider the answer that he's going to come up with. Actually, I think he's quite smart, though, Jose. I think he'll be the humble one. My, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, that'd be a good way to play it, wouldn't it? I think so, yeah, because I think, uh, you know, he'll be humble because he'll want to placate Ferguson and uh, because he knows what he's following um, and um, and because he wanted the job and he's finally got it. Although the, the, the you know, the slight classlessness with which his people have... Uh, told the world that he's got the job is kind of concerning but let's, let's give that one to Mendes and not not Jose do you think it was definitely his people and not United well that's what all the journalists are saying unless unless uh, Woodward got on the phone straight away afterwards and said oh this is Mendes's people <laughs> right 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 well, yeah no it seems like it anyway so yeah yeah maybe, maybe I mean could be totally wrong there but I'm, I'm gonna say he's uh, he's gonna be humble in the face of joining Manchester United as he should be so look, let's let's do a little bit of predictions about uh, Jose at United. What do you think his opening eleven will be? You know, you can say a new player. Okay, so I think it's going to be the exact eleven from the FA Cup final, except with Fosu Mensah playing in the Fellaini role and Cameron Borthwick Jackson at left back. Okay. No, no, Luke Shaw will play at left back, of course. Uh, so Borthwick Jackson might have to be on the bench. Luke Shaw, who has um, just just an aside here. What since you mentioned Fellaini has more aerials won uh, per game than Fellaini. Just saying. Yeah, very small sample size, though. Uh, Although, actually, Flaney hasn't played that much this season. He's played a lot in the last bit of the season. Late season bias again. Um, All right. Uh, De Gea in goal, (laughs) we all hope. Um, uh, Matteo Damian at right back. Uh, That might be a bit far-fetched, but it's my guess. Um, A new centre-back and Chris Smalling. Uh, Luke Shaw left back Ander Herrera Morgan Schneiderlin and Wayne Rooney in midfield Uh, Martial left wing Rashford centre forward and someone new on the right yeah it's about the right shape because he will play two holding in midfield and one just further forward and and two wide players and a a striker that's uh... He's 
stock formation, isn't it? But I feel like he's more likely to play like a Herrera and Schneidlin combination rather than like the Schweinsteiger and Schneidlin or Carrick and Schneidlin combination that Van Gaal went with. Like a, a kind of box-to-box in one of the two. He's not going to go with old and slow. He's always shoved out old and slow. So um, I expect Schweinsteiger may well go this summer. We'll see. Oh, I don't know. That's a big shout unless he's going to China because he's on massive, massive wages, isn't he? Because his transfer fee was so small. Hi, is that Beijing? Yes. <laughs> uh, two for the price of one here with Wayne Rooney. And, uh, yeah. Um, well, well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, look, for sure, uh, uh, Mourinho has a, a history of a sort of dynamic midfield, doesn't he? Um, and the striker is very important to him. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't bring in a, another striker, even though he's got Rashford and Martial and, and definitely a right winger. He'll want that. I mean, I think Martial left, wide left, is absolutely nailed on. Because you imagine how much Mourinho is going to love that work rate combined with that ability in the final third. Uh, All this, of course, is terribly bad news for the lovely, glorious individual that is Juan Mata Garcia, who is just somewhere with David De Gea's arm around him, just crying salt tears, thinking, how come this is happening again? How come this is happening again? I mean, I can't see a place for him in Jose's 11. Seems unlikely, unless uh, he plays him at 10. He certainly won't play him on the wing. I mean, it's just not a, a Jose uh, methodology at all. Uh, he could play him at 10. He played Oscar at 10. He did, but if you play... And Oscar's even lighter weight than when matter. If you play a matter at 10, you have to drop Wayne Rooney altogether unless you're trying to reinvent Wayne Rooney as a box-to-box midfielder, which there's a hide into nothing, that is. Well, Rooney can't play at 10. Um, so uh, Rooney is now a box-to-box midfielder or nothing. It's gonna, that I tell you, that is going to be fascinating to see play out because you can't imagine that Mourinho will tolerate... I mean, I didn't think Van Gaal would tolerate Rooney in the same way that he has, but you can't imagine... If if Jose Mourinho comes in and says Wayne Rooney's playing every game, I think we know then it's in his contract that he has to. Right. I, I don't think I don't think um, Jose will be starstruck by Rooney in the way that Van Hal and Roy Hodgson are. I just I just don't believe it. I mean, look, any logical formulation of this says that Rooney's going to have to compete with a brand new midfielder for a place in their team. Uh, because it's just wrong if he plays at nine ahead of Martial and, and Rashford. He's not a 10. He's just not. I mean, there's nothing about his game that says he's a 10. He's a much better number eight than a 10. And he's not a good number eight. And, and I say this, you know, in the in best of spirit after he's had a, a, you know, a very, very good game in the cup final in that position. Um, but if United's ambition is to go forward from here, uh, it's, it's not going to include Rooney in that position. We'll see. Maybe, you know, maybe he has a great preseason tour. He's fit after the Euros um, and he's reinvented himself in as Frank Lampard. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. Uh, their personal relationship, I think, has got a lot of promise. Mourinho and Rooney, can, I could definitely see them working well together in that regard. Um, but it's going to be... It's going to be really fascinating to see that one play out. Uh, the other one that I'm really interested in is Memphis. Uh, you meant you asked me the question, I didn't really answer it, about him being left out of the cup final squad. Uh, it was sad, but you couldn't say it was a terrible decision on football grounds. Um, he has had a few games where he's come on and influenced it, but he's as likely to come on and 
try too hard and run into a brick wall as he is to make a difference. He is, yeah. The, I mean, the, the only thing is that United were on the, you know, left with not much on the bench in attacking, in you know, in an attacking sense. Jesse Lingard, who we've talked about, has very little output. Turns out he's got a worldie. Uh, and Ashley Young, who's uh, nothing in any position. Um, uh, turned out he, uh, he he played the last well, no. half hour up front. I don't know. He played 20 minutes up front and then played at fullback. So Louis van Gaal player has got to do his shift at fullback. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it in a way. I think uh, Jose will bring quite a lot of frustration at times. Um, I think there'll be many times where we're like hiding behind the sofa because he's super embarrassing and cringeworthy and it'll be hard to defend him. Uh, I think there'll be times when we'll love him because he's going to take apart Guardiola um, and he's going to say some... Um, very interesting things. And he knows how to beat him, you know. So um, you just see it. had next season, United will win 1-0, having 26% possession and one shot. Yeah, I think it's good for the big games, for sure. Um, <laughs> it's, he's going to be hard to defend. And what you will get from us listeners, dear listeners, is a, a non-black and white take on Jose Mourinho, where we like some stuff about him and don't like some other stuff about him. And that's what you're going to get. Um, hopefully there'll be more to like than there has been uh, with Van Gaal in terms of the on-pitch stuff. Let's hope so. Anyway, so that's the cut final. That's Jose. That's Van Gaal. Um, do we want to take some listener questions before we go on to uh, our awards? The much-coveted Rankast Awards? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so many listener questions this week, so thank you very, very much to everyone uh, that's written in. Uh, at Greg Silence says, what are the chances that LVG keeps his job and we progress and play better footy next season? I mean, as we record, I would say that it's got to be less than 5% chance that Van Gaal keeps his job now, right? Well, it's 0% chance, isn't it? Um, I don't think it's 0%. I don't believe... It's not 0% until I've seen Jose Mourinho holding up the scarf. Yeah, that's it. It's Jose Mourinho and David Gill with his eating grin. Uh, I mean, Ed Woodward with his eating grin. One of them. At Ryan Dino 7 says, are we about to become a club that is unlikable even to our own fans? We've been a club that's unlikable to even to our own fans since 2005. Uh, and even in some ways before that, uh, I don't think there's any difference really i mean you could say that the that some some united fans really hate jose Mourinho, and that's going to be a weird thing for them i think a lot more united fans hate jose Mourinho than ever hated Moyes or van gaal before they took the job might might be uh also a much bigger number that are pretty confident that Mourinho will end up doing a good job as united manager but yeah he's he's obviously got people within the support that really really dislike him uh, but the club, the Aperol spritz drinking, X-Men movie shooting, Glazer leverage debt owing joke of an organisation, I don't think they're going to get any more unlikable. Very true. Uh, at Mark underscore E underscore F says, name a brand, a potential new sponsor that fits best with Mourinho's personality and outlook. Uh... Is it just for men option? Because he's definitely gone very grey, hasn't he, over the over the years? Something sort of slightly angry and fiery as a brand. Something just particularly gauche, I think. <laughs> like like uh some sort of... like seventy five percent of United's current sponsors, yeah. Yeah, Aperol Spritz, perfect. Um 
Uh, after Waza's heroics in the Emirates FA Cup final, asks at Sutcliffe, how ecstatic are you that he has at least three years left on his contract? Hashtag bloody hell. Another X-Men reference. Um, yeah, uh, it's not ideal, is it? No, no. But um, given the uh, given the way that the new TV contract is playing out, he, he might be amongst United's lowest paid <laughs> footballers soon. <laughs> we'll see. At Dave in Wales says, what are your minimum, minimum expectations for next season? And what do you both think Jose will achieve in his first year? Well, look, it's a, it's a transitional season in that United have to move on from here, but they have to go forward. Um, the, the challenge, of course, is that um, new coach at City, uh, they're going to spend lots of money. New coach at Chelsea, I'm sure they'll have a healthy budget too. Um, Arsenal, if they are really buying Shaka, uh, trying to fix their sort of midfield problem, um, there's going to be a challenge there for United. Will Tottenham sustain what they're doing? Suspect so, don't you? Leicester, everyone's going to you know, assume that they drop out of the top four and, and fall further down the table. Um, will they be able to sustain it uh, in the face of all the doubters? Um, so it's definitely a challenge, but United have to finish in the top three, just have to. You also didn't mention Klopp's Liverpool there, um, which we very graciously not mentioned what happened to Klopp's Liverpool this season at the end of it there. Yeah, well, we wouldn't want Chris to be upset because uh, he was a little upset that we spent some time taking the mick out of his club last week. So we won't mention the fact that they got totally annihilated in the Europa League final. I mean, not even just beaten, but embarrassingly beaten. I mean, I'd be ashamed. But I'm not a Liverpool fan, so I don't have to be. We should know what it's like to be ashamed of our football team, having watched Man United all season this season. Um, The... It's going to be an immensely, immensely challenging Premier League next season. And I don't think you can set realistic targets until we see what happens in the transfer window. But but top three has to be the minimum expected standard. It's ridiculous that it could be anything but. I mean, listen, if you just if you just take the metric that wage spend is the biggest single indicator of success possibility in football, then United are in a position to spend more on wages than anyone else in the division because uh, they don't have access to unlimited sovereign wealth, but they have un- access to unlimited FPP, basically, because of how much money they actually make. Yep, yep. Yeah, um, you know, big big summer for United. Uh, definitely have to to build on what they've got. You know, they've got the bones, sort of sort of spine of a decent squad, but they've got to build. And uh, you know, piece in the Guardian today, speculating about uh, who Jose might bring in. A lot of names mentioned, including some familiar Jorge Mendes clients. Lots of Jorge Mendes clients. Um, and um, and a few from the Italian league and so on. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, John Stone's mentioned there. I, you know, Mourinho had a long term interest in in him. Very nice on the ball, just a horrible defender. Um, we'll see whether playing uh, under a proper coach rather than Roberto Martinez changes that. Um, who do you think asks JJ Walker? Who will be on Jose's chopping list? Uh, so who's who's going to be on the list of players for Jose Mourinho to get rid of? I think Fellaini's a goner. Yeah, it doesn't look like a, a Jose player to me. I think Schweinsteiger will be under threat. I just don't think he, he offers the legs uh, in midfield. All the right backs... Uh, he might like Darmian because he, you know, he does, but he does like a right back that um, attacks because he likes his wingers to be inverted, doesn't he? Um, so we'll see. And Darmian's attacking stats are horrible because you know he gets nosebleed when he goes over the halfway line. So I think a right back might be coming in, and they're definitely going to bring in a central defender. They have to. So we'll see about Blint. Blint 
Blint might be able to transition to a midfield role, but he has some challenges there with his pace, as he does in the centre of defence. Uh, Rojo uh, got got considered that he would be on any manager's chopping list. Uh, and the, the Memphis question is a fascinating one. I, I mean, I can... I find it very, very easy to imagine Memphis and Mourinho building a very successful partnership. He's a Mourinho-type player. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, But there comes this problem of uh, essentially competing with Martial for the same position. And there's only one winner in that competition, isn't there? But play Martial at centre-forward, Rashford on the right. You know, there's options there. But... but I don't think it's straightforward. Uh, at Matt Boardman says, how hard is it to enjoy the, the win, the FA Cup win, with questions hanging over the celebrations? What happened to the lid? So as Carrick and Rooney lift the trophy, the lid flies off, goes down a few tiers, but it was rediscovered and it was it's clearly photographed in Anthony Martial's hand as they're all doing jumping up and downs with the fireworks and the champagne and all that in the kind of staged area. Um, so uh, the, the lid hasn't been pictured after the celebrations, but it was seen clearly on the pitch. So I, I watched the game at home with my two young'uns, um, little ranter two, who's three, saying uh, he doesn't like the red ones. Little ranter two, who's three, will be spending the rest of his life in a home if he tries that again. Um, uh, and the BBC cut off the coverage. So I had to go and find a stream to get the coverage. Outrageous. That's just dreadful. Dread. What do you pay your license fee for, Ed? <laughs> At Bobby underscore Tomp says, is Mourinho's coat from Matalan? I'm, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say it's from some sort of expensive store. This is another important Mourinho question, of course. Are we going to get the kind of tracksuited, unshaven mess of this season? Or is he going to come absolutely kitted out in the way that only Mourinho can? Uh, he wears the uh, the club blazer with the Manchester United badge on it in the first game 100% guaranteed that is a that is a strong strong look um yeah so uh oh another thing I'm really sorry that this deserves accreditation but I can't find it quickly enough uh someone pointing out that only three Van Gaal signings started the FA Cup final which is a kind of massive indictment on Van Gaal's time at United so it is an interesting point, isn't it? 15 signings he's made, three of them starting the cup final. His track record in the market has been abysmal. I mm. mean... But I've, but it feels like it, it's been worse than it should have been. Like, that the, the, he's got less out of the players he's brought in than he should have done. It's not necessarily that he's bought poorly, but it's that he's utilised very poorly and sort of destroyed players' confidence. All right, should we do some end of seasons awards? Let's do some from the listeners uh, while we're on listener listener questions. Uh, this one's impossible. At Boston, a Boston Eleven says the best Wayne Rooney Hollywood ball of the season. Plenty to pick from. I'm going to go for the ball to Valencia against uh, Aston Villa that led to the Marcus Rashford goal. Uh, yeah, sound. Uh, couldn't tell you any others. Uh, he played a few in the first half in the cup final. Not not that many, but uh, uh, generally a bit wayward. When we're talking about Valencia, though, uh, does he get a credit for an assist for the first goal? Almost. Almost. Not the first goal. Sorry, the, the Lingard goal. Oh, <laughs> well, no, it was a genius flick back from Anthony Martial playing at centre forward, wasn't it? Not just a weird bobble that came from Valencia smashing the ball at, like, atomic light speed. Yeah, he's a goner too, isn't he, Valencia? 
I can't help thinking, I don't know, because he doesn't half work hard and you, there is a train of thought by which you could describe him as an attacking fullback. There's a train of thought. It's a train going in the wrong direction. <laughs> yes. Uh, I can't help thinking that, that um, our friend at White Pele 10 is just trying to get a mention on the show because she sent us a picture of her kitten and said, rank cast listener with the cutest kitten. I'm really sorry, but I don't judge the cuteness of kittens. Like, that feels unfair to judge. <laughs> At free on goal. Sorry, this is a question, not an awards category. Why is the FA Cup made of three pieces? It's just because so that other, so different people can do different celebrations. Okay. At Stretford Enders says, United sponsor of the season. It's got to be the tractor, hasn't it? The what? It's a, some Man United branded tractor that Dwight York was pictured riding. That's right. That's right. Not quite as embarrassing as the 1980s picture where the United team is in front of a bunch of fax machines, which look incredibly out of date now, of course. Um, yeah, we, we briefly mentioned this before the show. Um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you the, uh, the sponsor of the season, but mini quiz. Because um, I counted it up the other day because I was trying to work out whether United had more sponsors or more points. Finish the season on 66 points, have 71 sponsors. Tells you all you need to know about the club at the moment. So, so we'll uh, we'll do three. See how many you can get of these three. And uh, um, okay, Spenu, S B E N U. What do they do? S B E N U. Yeah, I'm no cheating say, on Google. I'm not cheating. I'm going to say financial services of some kind. No, they are the official casual footwear partner of Manchester United in South Korea. Damn it. All right, Unilever. Now, you know what Unilever do. but uh, A bit of what, everything what and it's particular, all bad. What particular product uh, do Unilever sponsor United for? Is it, some, is it food related? No, it's the official male shampoo partner of Manchester United in <laughs> Indonesia, Singapore and Vietnam. <laughs> Excellent. Sexy sponsor there. Outrageous. So not out of two so far. Last one. You can get this one. Come on. Donaco. Telecoms in Africa. No. The official casino resort partner of Manchester United for Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, Myanmar and South Korea. Oh, my goodness. Go, go on. I'm gonna, we'll try another one. We'll go a bit easier this time. You're going to have to get one at some point. Gloops. Gloops? Yeah. I, I really thought I had a chance at getting these just because I've accidentally seen so many of them. I can tell you that it's not the Indonesian isotonic par- uh, drinks partner. Um, gloops. Is it? Some sort of bubble tea in Malaysia? No, no, no. They're the official social gaming partner of Manchester United for Japan. Their uh, their slogan, mobile fun for everyone. Interesting. All right, last one, last one. Uh, Manda fermentation. (laughs) (laughs) It's the official uh, yeast extract provider in sub-Saharan Africa. Not far off. Official nutri- nutritional supplements partner in Manchester United for Japan. What's the difference between a sponsor and a partner? And I know they're all partners, aren't they? Yeah, they're all partners. Yeah, they're all partners. Is Smirnoff still the official responsible drinking partner of Manchester United? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like, think they so. They were for some time in the most Orwellian doublespeak you've ever heard in your life. All right, let's get back to some awards. At DG Ched asks us for the Louis van Gaal Award for the player with the most backwards and sidewards passes this season. Probably got to be your boy, Waza. He's he's had to play an awful lot of them in his defence. It's not all his fault. Yeah, true. I mean, uh, the obvious uh, 
the obvious candidates are typically Daley Blint and, and Michael Carrick, I guess, but it's anyone in midfield. And Daley Blint's actually played a lot of forward passes this season. I, I was actually yeah. looking at this the other day. As you, as you well, that's because there's no one there's no one standing behind him most of the time. Well, apart from David De Gea, but yeah, no, no. Um, so yeah, I, it will be one of the midfielders. For sure. Uh, Alexander Butner Award for worst fullback of the season. Brackets plenty to choose from, says at Echoing Quack. There really are, but it's, it's Rojo for me. I mean, it's, it's, a li- it's just yeah, been abysmal. It's got to be Rojo. It's got to be Rojo. I mean, this is a bit harsh, but poor old Donald Glove had a really rough time during his cameo at fullback. Uh, but no, the, the answer is Marcus Rojo. Everyone else has had some good games at fullback, actually. Donald Love's 53 minutes of fame. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for some uh, rank cast category questions that we make up ourselves. Uh, awards, rather, not questions. The defender of the season. Chris Smalling for me. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Daily Blint. Uh, fewer own goals and sendings off. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Smalling had a brilliant first half of the season and then not so good after he came back from injury. Uh, but not quite as bad as some people have made out. Daily Blint uh, grew into the season, uh, but he just makes too many big mistakes for me. Um, and too too many to play at this level. I think that it would be fascinating if you did a kind of objective study of how many good games and bad games each of them has, has had. I wonder if the ratio wouldn't be quite similar, actually. Um, it would obviously be pretty subjective. But yeah, I, I'm I, I'm going for Blint for exceeding expectations, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight you on Smalling, really. Midfielder of the season. So let, let's kind of... Divide this up into um, central midfield and attacking midfield. So deep lying midfielder of the season. Uh, nobody deserves this award. They've they've all been way too shaky. Yeah, I mean to to semi contradict myself from earlier. I mean it's probably Schneiderlin, isn't it? Because he's had some good games and lots of not very good games. And and Michael Carrick had a lot of very bad games and then came into it towards the end of the season. Is there anyone else? I mean, Schweinsteiger, a few games where he pointed very nicely and, and looked like the boss. Not enough influential ones. Too many where he played too far forward uh, for the position he's in. Too many when Van Gaal let him be exposed earlier in the season. And a Herrera, just such a shame that he's he's not got more games, you know. Just such a shame because he's a player who can definitely offer something. But he comes into the team after missing three games and he's he's almost always out of rhythm when he plays. Yeah, and, and he's never hit form this season. Never, not at any point. He's had some good games. He was excellent against Everton at Goodison Park. Um, he was very good when he came on the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, some other game recently I can't draw to mind where I was watching it thinking, oh, he's playing well. Oh, yeah, second half against Norwich away, really good. Um, but generally, you can't, you couldn't possibly say he's been our best midfielder of the season. And I think last season he walked this award. It wasn't There wasn't any contest. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I think I would give it to Schneiderlin. Uh, in fact... I did a rankings thing and Schneiderlin was the highest ranked deep-lying midfielder. I put them all three together. There's, there's not much in it between Schweinsteiger, Carrick and Schneiderlin. They've all been pretty bad most most of the time with the odd good game. Uh, all right, so uh, attacking midfielder of the season, sort of players that have played at number 10. Who's played at number 10? Uh, Matter for a few games, not very many. Yeah, Herrera. Uh, Rune, Herrera, not too many in that position. Although it's probably played better in that position than he has done at eight. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Wayne Rooney, who I hate in that position. Lingard. Lingard played a few, who's just 
a defender in that position. I think we should uh, just boycott this award because nobody even comes close to deserving it. No. And uh, if you want to, if you want to talk about wingers, that's a tough one as well, though. You know, I think is, it's, is, is that a category? Yeah, I'm just going to give that award to Anthony Martial because he's been absolutely brilliant. He has. He's played 19 games on the left wing, and uh, this is in uh, Champions League, Europa and the League. League, and the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, 19 games on the left wing and 18 up front, uh, three on the right and three as sub. Yeah, and I think he played all his FA Cup games on the left wing, um, which kind of skews this even further. All right, yeah. So Martial is uh, our top attacking midfielder, and does he is he also our top attacker as well? Is he allowed to be in the team twice? No, I'm having Marcus Rashford as star striker of the season because um, he's just been an absolute joy to watch in that position. And since you didn't actually call it out, so it's uh, Romero's goalkeeper of the season. <laughs> <laughs> he's runner up he is definitely runner up in goalkeeper of the season um so my question for you ed do you give your player of the season award to david de gea or anthony martial i give it to de gea just because he's been the most excellent um although martial has uh given us the most exciting moments yeah i am Definitely, definitely, definitely giving it to Martial over De Gea this season. Uh, even though David De Gea is the the one player that would get into a World Eleven uh, in United side, just because it's just been a dream to watch him. I think it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous decision, really, because essentially De Gea's like made three mistakes all season or whatever, and and there were patches of the season where Martial kind of drifted out of out of games a lot and. Couldn't really make himself felt, but I think it, when it when they're going when when it's come to the crunch, Martial has re, Martial has really delivered. Um, scored half of our goals, uh, scored or assisted half of the goals that United got on the road to Wembley. Even against West Ham, when United were falling apart, he got that brace, desperately trying to fire United into the Champions League. So yeah, I'm, I'm giving it to Martial. All right, uh, heart overhead that one probably, but uh, you know it's it's uh, I I I, w- I won't argue too hard with it. I, I think it's the, he's been the best reason to watch United this season. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, goal of the season, not not been too many this season, so it makes it an easier choice or ish. <laughs> yeah. Although actually, the the few that there are to pick from, so I would say that the top three were Rashford against West Ham. Uh, and Martial against Stoke and Liverpool, and the uh, the Emmy the Man United awards end of season awards gave it to um, gave it to the goal against Liverpool, and that's what I voted for in those, and that's that's what I'd go for here. Yeah, because it's it's a great goal and it's also a great moment. Uh, just to call out a couple others, Pereira stuck one on the top corner in the in the was it the League Cup? Definitely one cup. I think yeah, I think it must have been. Against uh, Memphis, Memphis with that beautiful one where he flicked it over his head and uh, slammed in a sort of volley against Bruges. That was fantastic as well. Um, Matter's goal, the free kick against Watford was fine. Did you mention Rashford versus West Ham? I did you mention did. Rashford, but I didn't mention Rashford against City, and I should have done because that was absolutely incredible. It was an incredible moment, and uh, the sight of Martin Dimichaelis on his bum after Rashford absolutely destroyed him. I mean, he should just retire after that. He should just be done with football. There's just no point playing anymore with him being annihilated. Uh, That's a very sweet moment. Yeah, it was was really good. Which brings us to moment of the season. Um, I I suppose because when I was planning this award, we hadn't won the FA Cup yet. 
And I think my moment of the season might have changed very late into the season, actually, as it goes. Well, it, and it has it has to be Lingard sticking into the top corner because that, that wins United the trophy. But but the late goal against Everton is close to that, just oh. for the drama of it. Oh, what a great moment. Um, and talk of goal of the season as well. Lingard against maybe West Brom, was it? The goal where he's kind of falling backwards and uh, spins and slams it into the top corner. Yeah, good shout. Actually, yeah. I don't think that was against West Brom. I think he did also score a really good goal from outside the area against West Brom and just blatted one in. Um, uh, a little, another few other just uh, runners-up moments of the season. Memphis's performance against FC Midtjylland at home was just like, you know, the, the right back saying he's the best player he's ever played against and he felt like crying after the game. It was just a bag of tricks that day. All of the tricks. Um, and of course, Rashford scored twice. Yeah. Oh, Rashford's emergence. Just like, what an incredible, incredible story that was. Just the, the, the two goals against Michelin, which were just, like, you couldn't believe what you were seeing. But then when he did it again against Arsenal that weekend. No, it's been, it's absolutely, it's been absolutely brilliant to see Rashford come through. I mean, not surprising in a way because anyone who's seen any, amount of him in the youth teams know what a talent he is um, but to, for him to suddenly burst into the first team uh, and you know, basically not take a break since February has been yeah, absolutely fantastic great story uh, credit to Van Hal for playing him and sticking with him um, I guess I'm not giving giving him any more credit than that uh, in years to come Van Hal will be talking about how he discovered him uh, which is just not true um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a fantastic, a fantastic story. Van Hal, some good moments, you know, when he fell over, um, mocking a dive. Uh, that was very funny. It really was. I can't think of many others though. No, there, there's been a few. There's there's been a few where he's kind of been his slightly more in, the slightly more endearing version of him when he uh, fist bumped Fosu Mensa before Fosu Mensa came on uh, as a sub at half time against someone I can't remember who. There's been a lot of fist bumping and and dapping or dabbing. One one of the two. Both dapping the dapping's the fist bumping, dabbing's the putting your nose in the crook of your elbow. Um, yeah, super. The the Lingard like absolutely ploughing into the city defenders when they were trying to start on Marcus Rashford and their their awesome handshake on the way off the pitch. A uh, lot of that at, at Wembley as well. Um, th- there's a really good team spirit amongst this this squad, which is pretty remarkable given how dismal they've been but the you could see it in the players they were so happy um so yeah get in touch with the, your favorite moments from the season it's funny isn't it because it's been quite a dispiriting season overall but when you break it down into its best bits they you could definitely make a very good top 10 list of highlights of the season couldn't you you could it would be a three minute long youtube video <laughs> mind you I don't think there'll be sales, too many sales of the season DVD no. in the club shop. No, absolutely not. No. It's... I hope they don't produce one. They'll, I'm sure they'll produce an FA Cup winning something. But um, yeah, no, it's it's been a deeply frustrating season. Deeply frustrating. Deeply frustrating with how the team has played. Ten, ten defeats in the Premier League. Very poor showing in Europe. Um, just the... Just, I, I mean, maybe should we have an award for worst moment of the season? Because there's been quite a lot. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, PSV, just abysmal. Liverpool, abysmal. Uh, every Van Gaal press conference, abysmal. 
Except for the good Except ones. There's been a, there were a few good ones. Yeah, yeah. I quite enjoyed asking Van Gaal questions at press conferences. That was a bit of a highlight for me. Until you wet yourself. I, yeah. I was fine. Listen. Did, did you take to wearing like nappies by the end of the season? Listen, that's hilarious banter, Ed. Well done. But no, it was that, like I was a bit nervous in the moment. But mostly... You, see, you can I'm... tell, you can see, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off because that's what journos do. Uh, you know, you can tell you're a journo now. You're just like, when, when someone bans with you, you like mock it and move on. Yeah, you've got, gone big time. Listen, that's... Uh, I will respect a sophisticated banter. You're going to hit me with Route 1 stuff like that, Ed. It's getting battered back. That's like, I'm like a Fulham central defender and you're like David Moyes. That's what's happening in uh, on the banter level here. Um, yeah, the, the that I was quite, it was quite nerve-wracking when he suddenly said, well, what would you do? What, what do you think? Mostly because I was a bit worried about saying what I thought. <laughs> so I was like, do I, do I think he wants me to... Tell him what I think. I don't think he does. I don't think he'd like it if I said that. Anyway. No, I, I think your uh, press credentials may have been revoked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you actually told him that. Have you got a, have you got a nickname amongst the uh, the press corps now? Uh, no. <laughs> we, we can fix that. Don't worry. I, I don't. There's... No, I'm, I'm very much on the fringes of things, Ed. <laughs> I'm not... There's no one's invited me around for dinner. I'm not going to the Custises for Christmas dinner. Although maybe Christmas dinner's cancelled at the Custises this year. Yeah, yeah, slim old Neil. So yeah, I mean, aside from that, PSV, Liverpool, lower the season for you? Uh, yeah, that was dreadful. Uh, West Ham away. I mean, I mean, let's let's get real. That it started Newcastle at home, nil nil. Absolutely Norwich at home, dreadful. Yeah, I'm kind of going all the way back to. August and there were plenty of terrible games peppered in amongst that but then just the complete collapse in December Norwich Bournemouth Stoke those those three games three of the worst Manchester United performances in living memory for most fans all back to back completely ruined our season Wolfsburg was so disappointing but not as bad as PSV probably uh, but yeah, I think I think my my actual low point was the defending in the first half against West Ham. Yeah, it was truly abysmal. You know, the one that really mattered. Oh God, Arsenal away. Arsenal away. Well, that was done inside fifteen minutes, wasn't it? Spurs away. Yep. Bad. Very very bad. Swansea away. Bad. Yeah, um, I called this out on Twitter actually. I think I, maybe I mentioned it last week, but um, Romero in the Swansea game that mistake. Might have cost United a Champions League place. <laughs> yeah, but there's been so many, so many things that that have cost us because so many uh, winnable points thrown away. Um, uh, Palace away. Bad. What an absolute turgid spectacle that was. West Brom away was bad. Middlesbrough at home. I mean, we're bad. saying the word away a lot in this because... The weight of performances has been really dismal away from home, uh, but there's been a couple of stinkers at home too. Villa, the first half of Villa at home, one of the most boring 45 minutes of football that have ever been played. Hey, but we spanked Ipswich and Sheffield United-ish. This is 
this is progress. Oh my God, Sheffield United, like the first 90 minutes of that game until Memphis won that penalty. That was truly atrocious as well. Hey, but but Mitchelland and Bruges. Yeah, they didn't know what was, they didn't, couldn't handle us, couldn't handle the big dogs. Oh, uh, another contender for brilliant moment of the season, the sarcastic applause for Memphis's shot against Sheffield United. I know I've mentioned that a lot, but it really was quite something to behold. The way it was so thoroughly embraced around the stadium. Yeah, um, low moments, uh, the booing around Old Trafford when Martial was pulled off. Um, I mean, I don't even think I could say that I felt that was a low moment, really, because... No, but it says something about where the club has got to, doesn't it? It felt like the... The right thing. Yeah, they yeah. needed to be heard, because Van Gaal was so, so tone-deaf about what was really going on, so unable to tell the difference between politeness and respect and support. Yeah, um, and and he got booed twice more when he's giving his end-of-season speech and, in fact, at Wembley too. Yeah, I didn't hear that. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I, I wasn't aware of any booing. The only booing I heard was a bit sad, really, but when Fellaini's name was read out in the starting lineup, there was quite a few jeers. There, there was at the semi-final as well. See, this would never have happened. This is what Moyes and Van Gaal have done to the club. <laughs> and Woodward and the Glazers. Yeah, sure. Anyway, well, that was the season. Disappointing. Um, but an FA Cup win. You've got to move on up, right? And uh, What a great moment to end the season on as well. Like After all that, it was just brilliant. Like Absolutely brilliant to see those players, just to see how happy they were, how much it meant to them and the kind of the genuine emotion they were all feeling and, and the kind of togetherness they had as a squad and the appreciation they had for the fans. It was, it was actually beautiful. And, and if you measure success by trophies... More successful than City because they've got an even worse trophy. More successful than Liverpool. More successful successful than Arsenal. More successful than Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the only one of those... I, I'm, I'm really spinning this here. The only one of those that I would actually disagree with is Tottenham. I think that, of course, uh, not... I mean, by the if you measure it by trophies, obviously, it's more successful than anyone except Leicester in English football. Um, but I think out of all of those people, I would say that only Tottenham would be more pleased with their season than uh, us winning the FA Cup. Because City season was a joke. Arsenal season was a joke. And our season was a joke with an actually amusing punchline. Indeed. Well, um, I guess that's it. Uh, it's It's been fun doing these rank casts though hasn't it because uh when united are terrible we have a lot to talk about yeah for sure and thank you to everyone that's listened got in touch on the twitter everyone that's uh hooked us up uh, in the united rant tip jar that's unbelievably nice of you thank you i think next season we might be doing some sort of voluntary subscription model that we're we're talking about where we kind of just uh try and give some cool rewards to people that want to support the show financially. So we haven't quite worked out the details, but the show's not going anywhere. It's still going to be free for everyone. Um, we're going to do Eurocast in the uh, summer. Oh, Eurocast, because it is in France. So this is very exciting. I will be seeing... Le, le cast le, euro. Le cast euro, c'est très bien. Um, oh, on my Twitter, you can see the uh, commentary that Dan Harris shared of uh, French commentary of Lingard's goal. It's absolutely... Absolutely brilliant. I, I did. I uh, I listened to that. Yes, all, all three of them. Very excited fellows. Yep, yep. Enfin, c'est bien. I'm looking forward to the year. I'm super looking forward to the Euros. France have got such a good team. It's going to be like, they've got to be favourites, right? At home with a team like that. Yeah, um, just. 
yeah, just um, over Belgium and Spain, or and Germany, yeah, yeah, um, who've had a mixed time in the last couple of years. But you know, you expect them to turn up for the big tournament. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Ed. Are you saying that we shouldn't, we should or shouldn't write off the Germans? <laughs> I'm saying we should not write <laughs> off the Germans. Okay, okay, good. More of this kind of level of international football analysis can be found in, I guess, a couple of weeks' time. It's not a long break we get here, is it? Yeah, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a break, and we'll we'll do a few. Uh, Eurocast, including a, a preview. Perhaps not a four-hour preview. Well, there aren't as many teams, are there? No, and and there are many rubbish ones. Yeah, can we just agree that the teams that we don't already know anything about, we don't have to do loads of research? So do your own research, listeners, into Hungary and Iceland. Hey, I, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be an expert on the Magyars. Um, good, that's a look forward to. Well, it's been a pleasure, Paul. Uh, it's been a delight, Ed. Yes, yes. Um... And, yeah, in the meantime, catch us on the various social media channels, uh, as Paul mentioned. Um, that's it from us this season. We'll be back um, after the Eurocasts uh, with proper rank casts in, what, early August? Yeah, before not, not covering pre-season, but before the actual season starts. And, of course, we're giving out Rankcast Awards, the Rankcast MVP of the season, undoubtedly producer Tom, the hardest working man in the Rankcast Enterprises. The force is definitely with him. For sure. Uh, all right, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for some Euro action. What a shot! What a goal! And what a game! Quel match! C'est pas fini, hein? C'est pas fini! Mais quel but! Darren Tuet qui doit vraiment vibrer devant autant de spectacles devant un but. Dolingard, là on voit, vous l'avez dit, travail de Valencia, il a de la réussite. Ça passe, là toute la finesse de Valencia dans son centre. Boum! Et au final, la spontanéité de Lingard, bien positionné à l'entrée de la surface de réparation. Le ballon lui revient un peu par magie et avec beaucoup de chance. Mais la reprise de volée, elle, elle ne doit rien à personne. Elle est belle, elle est pure, elle est en pleine lucarne. Elle me si ne bouge pas, deux buts à un.